0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Wildness and Wellbeing. Just a quick heads up in this episode, we'll be talking about suicide. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Wildness and Wellbeing. I'm Tim Jones also known as Adventure Yeti, and today I'm with Ben Grove, who is an outdoor structure and the head honcho at Psyche, who are an independent company based on the edge of the Peak District, making bouldering accessible for everyone. So yeah, hey Ben, how's it going?
1: Yeah, I'm good thanks mate, um, thanks for having me on, um, yeah, looking forward to having a chat.
0: Awesome stuff. Um, so i read on your psyche profile uh you are usually found climbing on on a road bike or fell running um where did your passion for the outdoors start
1: i don't i don't specifically remember a moment that it started it's it's always been part of my life i um i grew up in cornwall actually um down on the on the south coast right down near land's end and uh From sort of my earliest memories, I was being dragged to the beach after school, and I think my swimming lessons were being chucked in the sea and told (laughs) to swim. And, And our family holidays were either to a cottage in Scotland or... We sometimes went to France, sort of Euro camping. So I've I've always been outdoors. Um, both my parents are fairly outdoorsy. We've always had dogs. They go on dog walks and things like that. So, yeah, the especially the mountains were a big part of sort of my childhood holidays and, and things like that. And how much you rebel when you're a teenager, you like oh, I don't want to go for walks. It roots itself in you somewhere. And I think as I got older, um, yeah, it, it's just always been part of my life, really
0: nice um what would you say has been a big highlight for you when it comes to the outdoors
1: um highlight i think being being in the mountains of north wales scotland and the lake district um uh the thing i'm always drawn back to i i I do some mountain biking, I do some road cycling running lots of things, lots of climbing but if if I always have the opportunity to disappear hill walking and go wild camping in the mountains it's it's the draw of of being in the middle of nowhere and the solitude and the the wildness of places that that is is sort of that that highlight for me that's that's the thing I'm always drawn to yeah.
0: I guess, what, what was the key driver to creating Psyche?
1: Yeah. So, um, when I was, when I was 17, I had sort of just left college. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do w- with my life. And I got a job at a local climbing center. Um, I climbed there when I was a kid just at their local kids club and I think my mum actually suggested to me she went oh why don't you go and see if the climbing centre have got a a job going just behind reception or something I was like oh yeah I could do that so I went and started working at the climbing centre and did some instructing there did some route setting and slowly sort of worked my my way up there and I I think I worked there till I was about 21 22 and um but I was never full-time I was only part-time there and I really wanted full-time work and they uh they just couldn't offer it me at the time so i ended up leaving and going working for a friend's company completely different it was uh they worked with sort of electronics it was online retail selling selling electronic stuff and i learned how to do that and then my brain went well you know how to sell now and do online retail and you have a passion for climbing can we merge these two things nice so um and at the time, I was really getting into climbing, trad climbing, and bouldering outside. Um, and all the gear was so expensive, especially bouldering pads. I remember looking at them, and they were like two hundred and fifty, three hundred pounds for a pad. I was like, "It's a square piece of foam. Like, how, how much can it really be?" Um, so yeah, I sort of I set I set psyche up, um, and I started bringing in some products. We started with basic things like chalk balls and chalk bags, and uh, and came up with a brand name. And I was doing it on the side. I still had my other job at the time. And yeah, we we slowly, I say we, it was me on my own at the time. I was still working out my sort of parents' conservatory. I had boxes and things. I was, <laughs> I was doing a few hours in the morning before I went to my actual job. And then I came home, packed the orders and did that. And I remember I did that for about, probably about six months to a year. I was running both at the same time. And I was just, I was so tired because I was, I was getting up in the morning, doing a couple of hours and then afterwards. And I suddenly realized i was like i could actually leave my job and get paid a similar amount of money from just for doing this on my own and so i left and started doing it full time and then you could put all the time into it and, it and it grew um and suddenly you're self-employed and you're running a business and i never that was never a goal of mine when i was younger i never wanted to be a, a businessman or an entrepreneur it, it just sort of fell into to happening really um and yeah i I couldn't think of doing anything else now it's It's so part of of me and who I am that I love it.
0: Was it a bit daunting when you kind of realized ah oh, i'm I'm now a entrepreneur yeah. yeah
1: I'm not sure it's daunting it was more exciting i I remember the the first the first few weeks where I wasn't going to a normal job and I got up and I put all my time and effort into doing the thing I loved doing and sort of the world was my oyster i was like what new product can i bring out what what thing can i design or um and re- refreshing ebay and amazon where we where we sold and and there was people buying these products and and suddenly i was like, oh my god i can actually pay myself some money this is like <laughs> how is this even a, a a real thing and and yeah that that was sort of how it how it started and uh and it's just grown from there and we we went from being just sort of me and working at my parents' conservatory to to sort of where we are now. We're a pretty well established UK brand and and known all throughout Europe and yeah.
0: Yeah, I think reading about it and reading kind of your ethos as a company, I noticed you're like one. You're really affordable mm-hmm. and want to make it accessible to everyone and anyone. And I think your events really show that. But also, the environmental factor as well. Yeah. you you guys seem to be really really conscious of the environment which is really great
1: yeah yeah we um it's sort of changed over the years really well when we first set up like all our products came in sort of single-use plastic bags and and i suppose it's you you streamline the the way you work you you get to a point and and you look at your products and you look at your processes and you go how can we be more eco-friendly because um why wouldn't you be if if yeah, totally. you have that option and and I remember years ago we um, we took all the single use plastic out of our, our system so we we changed all our packaging to card packaging completely biodegradable recyclable card packaging um, and it was just something we did and I, I I've always had this um, this dilemma about shouting about it too much because you see on social media people are always like oh look how eco-friendly we are but yeah sometimes i'm like just change it and crack on you you don't need to tell everyone how how ethical you are or how eco-friendly you are and it's it's always a weird balance
0: yeah i think also there's the aspect of greenwashing as well especially yeah. with the larger corporations yeah. and and that's that's what throws even more complications into the mix a little bit yeah
1: i there's a um I won't say the brand name, but there's there's quite a big outdoor brand that we all would have heard of, and I remember it's probably about a year ago now. They posted something on social media saying that all their um all their packaging bags that they sent products out in were now made from 50% recycled material, and everyone was in the comments, oh that's amazing, all this, and I was sat there thinking you're an enormous corporation and only 50% of your packaging yeah. is recyclable we changed to fully card years ago it's not difficult to do it it eats into your margin a little bit and it takes up slightly more room on a container when you're shipping it but i was like this huge corporations d- doing less than they should be and and we're quite a small company in in sort of comparison and um and yeah we which we, we try and do as much as we can um We, uh, I offset all the, all the carbon for all our athletes as well and, and all our staff. So when our athletes fly around the world, we try and offset the carbon for all their flights and things like that. That's Um, good. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, we, we try and shout about it a little bit on social media just to let people know that we do do these things. But, um, yeah, I think there's a fine line between sort of patting you back too much and, uh, yeah. And, and just, just getting on with it. Yeah.
0: I guess when it comes to kind of the the accessibility factor um you've started running events mm-hmm. um do you think do you think it's easy enough for people to get outdoors at the moment or do you think more needs to
1: be done um yeah i i think more needs to be done and i come from quite an old school climbing background really when i started climbing when i was 17 there wasn't all these indoor bouldering centers that there are now and there was an apprenticeship scheme really when you wanted to climb outside you found someone at the local climbing center that was older than you usually knew what they were doing and they would take you under the wing and you went out and, and you learned how to climb outside whether that was bouldering whether that was trad climbing putting your gear in and things like that and that was how a lot of people learned where because there's so many people in the climbing world now that want to go out bouldering, there's not enough people to offer that almost friendship, apprenticeship style um, teaching. And because in the UK we have a really strong ethics around climbing outside, and even with our sort of countryside code um, and conservation and things like that, that there's a, there's a lot that people don't know about being out in the countryside. And... I think it's really difficult for people to know. And they go out and they put chalk on footholds and they they will potentially leave litter around or they're yeah. They're doing things to the rock and in the bouldering areas that they potentially shouldn't be doing. And it's not because they're they're doing it on purpose that they just don't know that these sort of bouldering and climbing ethics are a thing. And That was one of my sort of reasons around trying to start these outdoor bouldering sessions. Um, And because we are quite a, our our products are often, especially the bouldering pads, we're at the lower end of the price point. A lot of beginners go to buying our pads and then they go out. And I've been at crags before and I've seen people doing things like, not brushing tick marks or, or doing these things. And sometimes I've got psyche pads with them. And I feel a level of responsibility that yeah. sometimes the people that are potentially doing some of the damage at the crags are using my products. And I wanna go over to them and, and, and help them and tell them. And I was like, you know what, well, I, I can do something here. So I was like, I'm gonna start running free outdoor bouldering sessions. People that have never done it, come along. I'll teach them all the ethics and things. It's free of charge. Come along, have a day out bouldering and we'll we'll give you some info um so yeah i i think it would be good if more brands and more people would do that but i understand often there's a people want to make money they're a business so they start charging for things like that and sometimes people haven't got the money to do it which is why i've tried to offer them for free and just give up my weekend and sort of go out and and help
0: yeah i think especially from the ethics side that's that was a big thing that i noticed when i went on the bouldering session with you guys uh, talking about um i think you pointed out some climbers that were in a nesting area yeah and you were saying where to find out where you can climb yeah like
1: the bmc rad the regional access database which tells you all about the nesting restrictions and if there's anyone listening to this that does climb outside if you have a look at the bmc rad it's a really good database you can see if there's birds nesting in that area if you shouldn't climb there if you should climb there and UKC is also a really good resource resource for that there's lots of info on there about things
0: I think as well like just simple things like wiping your shoes before you hit the rock as well so you don't wear it down i think that's a really important thing
1: the thing is if you're a climber and you climb inside when have you ever brushed your shoes indoors before you've got on the wall you you never have yeah so why would you go outside and start doing that you just wouldn't know would you no You, you wouldn't know that grit on your shoes wears down the rock and makes it smooth and who's there to tell you we're not going to put big signposts up at the crag with like a little top 10 list of ethics yeah it's just not going to happen and 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 the the thing with the old school generation i find is they get really annoyed at these people rather than trying to educate them and that you end up with this conflict and The the best way to do it is just teach them. Just just go away. If you see someone doing something, you don't. Instead of going and being confrontational, just go over. They might not know. Speak to about it and and just try and try and educate people.
0: Yeah. So I guess when it comes to yourself and climbing, Mm -hmm. what what kind of climbing do you do?
1: Um, very much a jack of all trades. I um, I started just at indoor climbing centre doing the indoor stuff, and then I slowly moved outside. Did some trad climbing. Um, and sport climbing and then i started doing a bit of winter walking which developed into a bit of winter climbing which then sort of moved on to me doing some alpine climbing so yeah i've i've sort of climbed all over the world all forms of climbing that, that you can imagine um but yeah climbed in the alps a bit which is which is fun yeah
0: nice yeah awesome stuff um so i guess part of this podcast is like the theme is is mental health I mean how's the outdoors helped you when it comes to your mental health
1: yeah um, it's it's been massive for me um, over the years especially with running running the business I've I've had some pretty dark times um, a lot of stress coupled with anxiety and things like that um, and I would say exercise especially, um, which often revolves around being being in the outdoors has been a big one for me. It's, uh, I, don't, I don't like using the word escape because I think that can almost be like you running away from your problems, but um, I think it puts a lot of things in perspective. Um, if I am really stressed about work or life or relationships, or whatever it is, and I go and have A day in the hills I come back and although I know my problems are still going to be there I've got a lot more clarity on how to deal with them how how to approach them Um, I think the outdoors is a very humbling place um, especially the the mountains Um, yeah so that I think it's really good for for clearing the brain and allowing you a a better a better mindset to go back to whatever it is you need to deal with um, yeah because I, I don't think you can r- running away from your problems and bur- burying your head in the sand just doesn't work when it comes to mental health you can y- you can be stressed and you can you can try running away from it and it's still going to be there but having being able to have a good approach on how to deal with that is really good and having some time away in the hills is, is, is really good sort of clarity I think it uh puts a lot of things in perspective so yeah i mean I, uh, as well as my my own struggles i know a lot of people that have also struggled um i had a friend who who i i sort of i saw him like a little brother really he um a lad called liam he uh he climbed at the climbing center when i used to work there actually he was okay. a um he was one of the the kids that used to climb he was probably about four or five years younger than me and um i sort of took him under my wing a little bit i i took him climbing and we we climbed in scotland together and he came to the dolomites on numerous trips with our sort of climbing group really good lad um and i i knew he had some struggles um and sadly he he committed suicide um when he was 21 um and that was the first time I'd really dealt with someone else being in a in a dark place and and going all the way yeah. really and um, yeah that that was really tough because he he did it four days before we were going to be going to the Dolomites on a trip together and we all knew how much he loved climbing how much he loved the outdoors how much that was his that was his therapy as with many of us, it's, it's our therapy. And there was always a a tough thing of if only we'd got him another four days and got him away, maybe things would have been different. Um, but yeah, that was, that was really hard, um, dealing with that. And I've always wondered if often that was the start of me having some, some mental health issues myself. Um, I've never really pinpointed that. Um, I think it was a combination of, of things, but yeah, that was, that was a really tough one to take. He was only 21. He had, he had lived a lot of life. He'd done a lot of things, but, um, to lose someone that young was, uh, was a real struggle. And the the first I think year after, after that, I, I found it very hard. There was so many, the whys and, and, and all the questions that go with, with losing someone. Um, but yeah, yeah no, that, that was a tough one
0: yeah I can imagine that was really tough and I think it just highlights um I, I think I mean just everyone but I think especially guys we just don't seem to always open up so much and talk about yeah our mental health um I don't think it's necessarily a kind of a macho thing it's 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 just more of a For some reason, we're not as open sometimes. I think what I like a little bit about the outdoors is that I feel like it opens people up. I mean, I've been on a lot of hikes with other guys and they've told me all sorts that have been going on in in their heads, like whether it's suicidal thoughts or or whatnot. And I think the outdoors does open it up, but I think we still need to really push to talk more with each other
1: that's a really interesting point actually i'd I'd never thought about conversation like that in terms of the outdoors because now i think about it i've probably had some of the most um deep conversations or conversations with friends especially lads that have been struggling whilst being outdoors on walks and things because you don't it don't often have that when you're in a pub environment or when you're down the climbing wall yeah there is something about being outside if you go for a long walk in the countryside it seems to relax everyone a little bit and they they've they maybe have the ability to open up a bit more
0: yeah i think it's also a distancing thing isn't it you feel a lot further away from what's going on in some respects yeah um you know like no one else can kind of hear almost yeah and i think that's that's what's that's what the outdoors does. It's it's really good for that.
1: Yeah, it's 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 weird. There is obviously we talk about mental health, and especially with guys, um, we we talk about it being. I mean, it, it's way better now. More people talk, and more people open up than ever have done before. But there is still this, I think, internal stigma rather than societal stigma that it's blokes still don't want to talk about their feelings. Yeah. And I think society's ready to hear hear the problems and and listen, but I think there's still something deep in men that finds it really difficult to open up,
0: yeah, but I think it's all about kind of almost getting comfortable about talking yeah. with anyone about your mental health and yeah. it becoming not a stigma but just a a normal a normal thing I guess yeah. checking in yeah um. yeah yeah.
1: checking in is a big one i i think ever since uh, i lost liam um i've made a real effort to check in with my guy friends a lot more and just send that message and be like how are you doing but i I always try and do a don't bullshit me yeah how are you actually doing yeah don't just send that yeah i'm good cheers like tell me if you need to Mm -hmm. ring me up and have a rant do it but like a a, a no bullshit how are you doing type thing
0: yeah totally yeah. i think that's the thing isn't it check then check again yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah yeah so what key tool would you say has helped you with your mental health so far
1: yeah good question um lots of things whether that be exercise or cold showers or you, you know all these things that people say help you and um i can't remember who it was but someone once said that your mental health is like building a mountain a layer of paint at a time and it stuck with me and i'm just really regimented with doing lots of lots of small things every day so i take a cold shower every single morning i make sure i exercise every day whether that's just going for a walk lifting some weights going for a run climbing I make sure I take lots of vitamins and minerals. I eat healthy. Um, I try to have less screen time. So just lots of things. All the things that you hear people say, this is good for your mental health. I try and do all of them every day in small amounts. And that's the one thing that I found is is best to, to have in a clear head. And I think it's really good for people as well that and maybe starting on a journey of trying to sort their mental health out because they can pick one or two little things and just go, you know what, this week I'm going to do, I'm going to do three cold showers and I'm going to make sure I eat healthy. And they can spend a week or two weeks just doing them things. And then you can add on top of that and just, and just keep doing it. Um, I don't think there's a, A one-size-fits-all rule and I don't think there's one thing that you can do that will really help you I think I think the key is doing lots of small things lots of good habits every single day and build them into your routine until suddenly your life and your routine is actually a series of, of positive things rather than sort of the the negative traits
0: nice awesome well cheers for coming on Ben
1: my pleasure thank you very much for having me
0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of Wildness and Wellbeing. Please feel free to like, share, subscribe or leave a review. Also, if you're struggling at all, we've got some handy web links at the bottom of our website. So feel free to head over to www.wildnessandwellbeing.com. Thank you.